0: Welcome to AMI Sites, a podcast that offers you access to thought leaders who can help you expand your entrepreneurial toolbox. Learn from seasoned entrepreneurs who have already walked in your shoes and can help you with your day-to-day business decisions. Join the founder and CEO of Multi-Funding, Ami Kassar, and his co-host, Lynn Ozer, the president of Multi-Funding, a.k.a. the SBA Queen, as they help you navigate, grow, and stay in control of your business.
1: Welcome, everyone, to the newest edition of Ami Sights. I'm Ami Kassar. Proud to have my co-host, Lynn Ozer, a.k.a. SBA Queen, with us, and our guest today, John McDonald. John is the founder and president of The Good, a conversion rate optimization firm that has achieved results for some of the largest online brands. John, we're excited to have you on, learn from you, and help us learn what you can share with our guests. So thank you for being here. Hey, happy to be here.
2: John, it's so great to see what you've done and the book you've written. Tell us how you got to writing a book on e-commerce and optimization.
3: How yes. did
2: you
3: start? Well, I, you know, coming out of COVID, obviously uh, everything shut down for, for a while. And, uh, you know, I was following Ami's, uh, you know, daily Ami casts, if you want to call it, um, you know, pretty closely on what all of the opportunities were. And I was like, you know, I got to use this time appropriately. There are people like Ami who are doing, you know, really good things with this time and there's also a handful of people who are just shutting down and and just not utilizing this time and i said you know if i come out of covid what is the one thing that i could really do for the business that is going to move the needle and obviously needed to get the finances right needed to take advantage of all the opportunities that were out there the government funding all of that stuff because i looked at it as if i didn't do that i would be uh, put it at a disadvantage to my competitors who were taking advantage of those or were going to. Right. So I felt I, like I needed to do that. But also in terms of utilizing all this additional time that I now had available to me, right. I wasn't taking my son to soccer. I wasn't, you know, uh, driving him to school every day. I wasn't driving into the back, back and forth of the office. I just, I found myself with extra hours every day and I wanted to do something that would be most productive. The more I thought about it, the more I thought, I have time, I can write a book and share with the world our thought process on how we optimize over the past 15 years for e-commerce brands. And that was how opting into optimization was kind of born was I started by uh, interviewing my teammates, my core team members at The Good said, you know, if you could tell the world anything, what would it be? and let's figure that out. And so we did a whole bunch, I want to say 20 hours or so of Zoom recordings where we would just sit down for an hour every day and just have a conversation. And and I would say, here's the topic today. Let's debate it. Let's figure out what our point of view is, and then let's document all of that. And that, that has turned into opting into optimization.
2: It's really interesting. So your employees are your co-contributors to this book, and it's a a, a step-by-step, um, yeah, you know, document. Really, it's how-to, mm-hmm. a step-by-step how-to.
3: Yeah. The the idea behind this is that if you're you know an e-commerce brand, there are so many articles and YouTube videos and even books on what you should be doing on your site, specific tactics, and what I wanted to write was how you should be thinking about it. What's the strategy behind all of this? Because what I, what the world didn't need was another tactical book on how to run e-commerce uh, companies. So what I wanted to give them was what should your mindset be? What are the laws of conversion, if you will? Right. So if you're going into an e-commerce site and you're not thinking about optimizing your site how do I not so much convince you, but give you the, the tools to have the right thought process. And that was, that was the idea behind the book. Let's not give them tactics. Let's not give them checklists. Let's give them philosophy. What the ways that you need to be thinking, because that's everlasting. The tactics change every week. You know, e-commerce is changing all the time. Um, I mean, look at what it went through in COVID, right? I mean, it was it, it, massive gains in e-commerce. Um, and now, people there's e-commerce brands fighting for their lives because it costs so much more to advertise all of a sudden. And people have gone back to retail to some degree. And so those who you know, took advantage of that opportunity and did the right things, even now, they're still um having some challenges because, you know, revenue has has dropped. Uh, and that's just unfortunately part of the game with e-commerce, right? People went back to retail because it was an option. They missed. That interaction. They missed going shopping. Uh, they just wanted to go to their local mall and get out of the house because they've been stuck in their house for two years. So there's opportunity to do that now. Consumers are going to take advantage of it. Um, and brands are, you know, the tide has turned back a little bit, unfortunately.
2: But but isn't it true that you have to have an online presence in <laughs> addition to retail now 100%. that we went through COVID? isn't it unusual to find that they don't have one? Whereas before it wasn't that unusual, but now I think if they don't have one, there's problems for them.
3: I agree completely. And I think, you know, one of the the best uses of a lot of that government uh, funding, the PPP, all that stuff that, that gave an influx of cash to consumer or to, to brands. One of the things I saw that, that, really was the best use of that was a lot of brands who were not digital to take that those funds and invest in making it digital, and putting up an e commerce site. And uh, those are brands that, that are continuing to, to earn return on that investment. And it was a smart investment. So uh, I, I appreciate brands that spent the money in, in that way. Now, obviously, we work with later stage companies um and so we're not working with brands who just launched e-commerce we're usually working with brands that uh you know are doing tens of millions online already and the idea behind that is that those brands need to be optimizing they're at that stage where they've gotten over that initial growth stage they now have a viable digital presence that is earning them a a steady stream of income and revenue at that point it is time to take it to the next level that's typically when they call us is you know when they want to optimize that site as opposed to just get it up and, and launch it
1: Tom, um, totally great story maybe we can go a few steps back mm. and you can tell us a little bit about your history when you started your company how you started it and how it's evolved and growing since then
3: yeah so this year is actually or this month excuse me will be our uh, 15th year in business um, so been through quite a bit, started out of um, the recession in 2008, right? Uh, that was when it really, I was working for a management consulting firm and uh, was running the digital wing of that firm. Uh, the management consulting firm had been looking to uh, sell for for some time, for a few years before uh, the recession hit. When the recession hit, it became, actually, they had a really good opportunity to to sell uh, and merge with another company. You know, interest rates were lower. Things were really at that point were uh, prime for kind of what we just went through with, you know, funding was easy to come by and or easier. And at that point, brands were able to, to pick up uh, competitors, merge and grow through acquisition. So that was the that time period that it was happening quite a bit, 2008, 2009. And um, they ended up selling. Uh, and uh, I was able to take uh, my essentially uh, buyout of that and turn that into starting the good. Uh, I knew that two things going into that. One is I, it was time for me to do my own thing, um, less because I felt, you know, a lot of people will start agencies or marketing firms because they just feel like they can do it better uh and they're working at a marketing agency I saw a little differently um I saw it as there were I had a whole bunch of pain points and I would see it through the management consulting firm that I was working with that a lot of these consumers and the brands were were misaligned on how their their especially e-commerce experiences uh were were operating so for instance, you—you you know I wear a size 15 shoe. It's hard to tell over a podcast, but I'm six foot seven. Um, I've had a lot of challenges my entire life finding shoes that, that fit me well. And for years, I would go to search online. And even going to Nike's website back then, you couldn't filter by size. So I would have to click on every single shoe to see if they had my size and most shoes don't come in my size unless they're basketball shoes or you know occasionally it's getting more popular but you know 15 years ago this was not the case so one of the big pain points i had was just shopping on e-commerce at the time was was a painful experience you really had to be a dedicated consumer and brands were not making it easy and so you know, we started by originally by building e-commerce websites. And one of the things that we always did was um, in after we would launch, we would bake in a three-month optimization period into every contract and every build that we would do. So we would launch an e-commerce site, and then we'd say, for three months, we're going to help you refine and iterate that site based on how consumers are using it and the pain points we're hearing from consumers. Now, fifteen years ago, there was no such industry as conversion optimization. Um, now it's a commonplace term if you're an e-commerce brands know about it um they're looking for it, but back then, we couldn't you know there was no term for what we did, so we called it continual optimization um, as hey, we're going to continue to optimize your site. It actually turned out to be what was the differentiating point for us because we then went through um where I decided, you know, I don't want to uh, build e-commerce websites. It's becoming a commodity. Uh, Most brands we found did not care how well the site was coded. They just wanted it to work. And so we were putting a lot of effort into the quality, but the revenue behind was not there to support quality. It was there to support churning them out very quickly. And we were competing with offshore talent who would do it for a fraction of the cost. Uh, And so there was just a lot of of economic challenges around that that I decided it was not the best business model that I wanted to be in anyways. And I went around and I interviewed all of our customers, our our best customers. I got on a plane. I took a two week trip and I went and I just spoke to all of our best customers. And I would just show up in their city and call them and say, I'm here. Can I come get coffee or can I bring you a coffee? Can we chat for an hour? everybody was gracious and said, yes, Uh, thank God, because I would have wasted a lot of money flying around if I hadn't done that. (laughs) But what I was able to do was um, interview um, our customers, understand why they decided to work with us. What I found pretty quickly was that they all confirmed, I don't care how well our site is coded, I just need it to work. And you know, it could have been two tin cans with a string between it. As long as it could process an order, they would have been happy, right? So where I ended up was uh, understanding pretty quickly that everybody hired us because of that optimization phase that we did. And they didn't hire us because we could build a site. They could find anyone to do that. But we were the only one who told them the truth, which was you need to optimize after you launch. You're never going to have a perfect site when you first launch it and they all knew that but everyone else was saying hey we'll launch a site for you and i called it launch and leave it was a launch and leave philosophy that every agency had and most still do today well really what we found the value was everybody wanted optimization so that's what we focused on we pivoted to exclusively focus on optimization We were one of the first players to do this. There was a firm out of the uh, United Kingdom who was doing this exclusively. At that point in time, there was um, one out of uh, like Romania, essentially. So but there were very few to none in the United States that were were focusing on this, which surprised me quite a bit. The tools were just getting started. Um, Really, the major tools for our industry came out of uh, Obama's campaign, his first campaign. He had a team that would optimize all of their emails that would go out and run what's called A-B testing on all of these emails. So he would send a batch of emails uh, to a 1,000 people, and it would be, I'm going to send version A to a 1,000, version B to a 1,000, version C to a 1,000. We're going to see which one gets the most clicks and which ones get the most donations. Then five hours, six hours later, whatever is performed best we're now gonna send the winning email to all of our, the rest of our list. And that was how he won because uh, you know he had a lot of financing because of that grassroots campaign that was really getting people excited because he was fine tuning his message through digital optimization and nobody else had ever done that in a presidential campaign. As part of that, they built an internal tool set to do that. It is now today known as what's called Optimizely, and it's a, a public corporation. And um, that tool set was born out of that campaign. They went on to do web page testing, which is where we focus our efforts. Um, they tested all the landing pages, donation pages for the campaign, etc. And then after he won, they decided the, the gentlemen who were working on that decided to take that and start a company out of it with that uh, tool set. So we kind of latched onto that and started using that tool set Really help, um, you know, uh, be one of the early ones players in the industry. And, uh, and here we are 15 years later, still optimizing for e-commerce, uh, have built a, a thriving business out of it in an industry that is over the past, I'd say probably five years, has really started to take off. We have a lot more competitors, a lot more large agencies adding this as a bullet point into what they do because brands are asking for it. Uh, they know about it. They're looking for it.
2: It's fascinating. I didn't realize that that's the way they did it. And so they, the people who built it now have, is it trademarked
3: or um,
2: patented? Yeah, it's, or- it's,
3: a, it's, a, it's a patented tool that uh, mm-hmm. other, there are other um, tool sets that do mm-hmm. similar, similar mm-hmm. things. Uh, there's several out there now. Um, mm-hmm. Google has had a tool set for quite some time. They call Google Optimize. They actually just decided to, uh, as they call it, sunset that tool set uh, this year. So they're going to stop offering that because, um, you know, so many people were taking advantage of it and it was a free tool that it was costing them quite a bit of money. So when they were looking at, you know, going through current economic times, they were looking at things to cut. This was a tool that cost them a lot of money without a lot of upside for them. So they decided to, to cut that tool. Um, but there's there's plenty of options out there.
2: So this is more results oriented as opposed to like um, search engine optimization where that was a big buzzword for a long time, getting as many people to come to your site. Mm-hmm. Now, this takes it to the next level is now that you're there, we need you to buy or sell or or donate Mm -hmm. or whatever it is you need it's it's fascinating and it is so interesting how it's developed over over time and and covid was really everybody needed it then
3: yeah well and covid was very good to us uh you know Mm -hmm. we had we were one of the first businesses uh to be hit with with covid before the U.S. even shut down because uh China shut down first And that shut down the supply chain to most e-commerce businesses who sourced their products, uh, were getting them shipped. So what we felt was a large impact early on. And I'm actually thankful for that because that allowed us to participate in a lot of the government programs that we probably wouldn't have been able to um, otherwise. But the reality is we had a good quarter that was, that was really rough. Um, and that was because a lot of our clients did not have product to sell. They were sold out and uh, they did not know when they were going to get new products. And so they did not need help optimizing their site for more sales when they didn't have products to sell. Okay. So it made sense. Uh, you know, the vast majority of those companies came back to continue working with us, you know, three, four, six months later. Uh, once they started getting some some items in, but you know, with, with China shutting down first, it really kind of um, snowballed for us before most companies in the U.S. felt it. And I remember sitting in you know EO Portland, and we're all talking about this in a big chapter Zoom call. I'm like, hey guys, the storm's coming. Like we're feeling it right now. Everyone else is going to feel it in the U.S. You know, it, pretty soon because these businesses. Aren't making any revenue, they're going to start cutting all over the place because they just don't have product to sell. And you know, it was kind of this trickle down effect um, that we were we were a canary in the coal mine. We kind of saw it coming a little earlier, unfortunately. And that worked out pretty well for us in the end because, again, we were able to to take advantage of some of the great programs that the U.S. had out there. Um, Thanks to to paying attention to Ami every day, I would log in and be like, okay. Let's figure out what's the news today. <laughs> Something's changed, I know. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a good resource. So thank you for doing yeah. that, me. by the way. Uh, my pleasure. So, John, you, we're both an EO, which is fantastic.
1: And a lot of the listeners here are. And also, it sounds like your services for the good are really for much bigger companies. Mm-hmm. Where do smaller companies go for resources uh, and tools to help them with mm-hmm. their optimization?
3: Yeah. So traditionally conversion rate optimization that industry I was talking about that we're in has been for established larger companies. Uh now, one of the things that we decided to do out of coming out of COVID, uh, and this started during COVID, but um, we put our heads down and said, how do we help service these smaller brands who also need help with this, but can't invest, you know, uh hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it. So um there's a couple of ways that, that brands can do this. The first is, you know, of course, they, they should be talking to their consumers themselves, should be paying attention to customer service inquiries to make changes to their site, providing that information uh, that consumers are looking for but can't find, so they have to ask customer service. Uh, they should be doing things like what's called user testing, where you put your site in front of people who match your ideal customer profiles. And you ask them to complete some simple tasks while you record their screen and their audio. And you just ask them to talk out loud about what they're thinking. So, you know, somebody, you're selling t-shirts, you tell somebody, go find the right t-shirt for you. They get onto that site and they say, okay, I don't know, am I a medium or a large? How do I determine what size I have, uh, I want? Uh, And then, you know, they start asking these type of questions out loud as they're thinking about it. You're able to take that information and update your website accordingly. Well, you obviously need a sizing chart so that people can understand what size is best for them. Maybe we even start looking at labeling how tall the models are, right? So you you have pictures of your t-shirt on models. You could say this model is 5'7". They're wearing a medium, whatever it might be. And that will kind of help you kind of judge how you would compare yourself to them. Um, so, you know, those types of, of experiences can be really helpful for small brands. We wanted to provide a way to help guide them. That was partly in writing the book, right? How do you think about this? Because the tactics are out there, but why, what they're missing behind those tactics is the, why, why should I be doing these things? And that's, really was leading to a lot of small brands and small business owners to not take action because they didn't know why they would even do that checklist. They didn't have the philosophy behind it, the thinking behind it, the justification, if you will. So the book was part of that, but also uh, we started a a new wing of the good called The Good Ventures. And everything we do under The Good Ventures is uh, products for smaller businesses. So one of the first things that we came out with was a tool called User Input. So it's userinput.io is the website. And User Input is a way for you to conduct those user interviews in a way that we handle that for you if for a low cost. So we're not necessarily going to tell you what to do with that information, right? But we will help you conduct those interviews and summarize them for you. So that essentially gives you what you need and, and it's a done for you kind of first step that you should be taking. Uh, and we can do that for a few hundred dollars, which is completely different than what we would do uh, for, for a larger brand, uh, where we would be you know diving in and, and you know diving much deeper into their site data. Um, so the idea here is how do we get people started, right? How do we get them on that first step and get that user input back to them Uh, that's really the goal here john i have another
1: question so does this stuff only apply to e-commerce brands or can it also apply to um say my website or multi-funding or maybe your website where Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we're not specifically selling a product we're not trying to get people to the checkout box Mm -hmm but we are trying to get people engaged. Are there optimization tools to help websites like that or Mm -hmm. ours be more
3: successful? The short answer is yes. Uh, the, The longer answer is it depends what type of tooling that you'd want to use. Now, the first thing you should say is what's my outcome? What do I'm looking for? I'm looking for more people to fill out a contact form. I'm looking for more people to attend a webinar, listen to my podcast. What is the action that you want to influence? Once you have that goal in place, then you can take a couple steps back. And I would ask you to do some user research, talk to people who would come to your site and have them say, Hey, you know, I want you to find our podcast, the latest podcast episode. Go and just watch what actions they take. Watch how they maybe go down the wrong path or they get frustrated because they can't find what they're looking for and then use that feedback to improve the site and reduce those barriers. Um, Now, when it comes to things like A-B testing, my guess is most uh, service businesses are not going to have the traffic level that is necessary to really, truly do uh, A-B testing. Even with the good you know we get we get lots of traffic because we've been doing content for fifteen years, et cetera um, so the reality here is that we um we don't even do a b testing on our site because we just don't have enough traffic to to uh, reach what's called statistical significance. It's the amount of visitors that would tell us with mathematical certainty that uh, an outcome is accurate, right uh so the reality is we we don't do it on our site. I wouldn't recommend most service businesses try to do it. I would recommend you start by doing things like uh, user testing. Uh, you could do other types of testing that are we call rapid testing. This is where you do things like a five second test. What is that? Well, you put up your, your homepage for five seconds, take it down and ask people, what do, you, what do you recall? That will tell you what stood out on the page, are you using the right language that is resonating with them? Are they able to tell you within five seconds what your company does? That is the biggest thing we find from that five second test is most most visitors can't even tell you what your company does or what it sells. And if you can't tell what a company does within five seconds or so, you're likely getting frustrated and leaving. So um, you really have a short window to do that. So there, there are lots of things you can do for a smaller brand. And, um, you know, really, it's involving getting consumers involved more than than not.
2: John, how big is your company?
3: In terms of
2: employees, I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, so we have about 20 employees. um, And we have uh, started doing some offshoring as well, uh, mainly just around development, test development. Uh, All of our strategists are based in the US. Now, we are uh, remote for the most part. Uh, you know, I'm in Portland, Oregon. We do have a headquarters here in Portland. Um, the reality is we bring the team in once a quarter and we all meet here, but it's a meeting spot. It's, right. it, you know, I, I'm really the only one who comes in. I use the studio we've set up, things of that sort. I'm here on a daily basis, but we've really embraced the remote culture and uh, that has has worked out extremely well for us. Yeah, well, you get to have
2: people from all over the place, right? <sighs>
3: how yeah. well, did how did the how did the, na- how did the name the good
1: come up? So mm-hmm. the good feels like a do good agency or a mm-hmm. cause related marketing agency. So when I first saw it yeah. I thought oh the good like that's Yeah. That so us about, about the name.
3: Yeah, so our mission is to remove all of the bad online experiences until only the good remain. So <laughs> it came came out of us, you know, we sat down originally and said what what's the mission of what we want to do here? And, um, and I said, you know, I want to remove all these bad online experiences that I kept having. Right. And they said, okay, well, what's the end of that? I said, well, obviously until only the good ones are left. And, um, so that turned into, uh, naming the agency, the good, uh, as a way right. to, to do that. Now we do take that an extra step. Uh, you know, we are a certified B corporation benefit corporation. Um, we do make sure that we put, our team, uh, team's well-being before profits. It is a, a you know sustainable. It's one of the big ways we've been able to stay in business fifteen years. Obviously, we need to be profitable. We're an, a corporate entity, right? We're not here as a charity. But I will say that we put a lot of emphasis on culture, making sure that we have um, you know the right teammates who um, embody and are are attracted to that benefit corporation where we're putting people and planet before profits. It's terrific.
1: Share with us a little bit about your EO journey and how that's gone Mm -hmm. and how it's helped you.
3: So I've been an EO over 10 years now and a legacy member, if you will, Um, one of the older members in Portland at this point. And I was um, introduced to EO through a fellow agency owner here in Portland who said, hey, you know, like you're on this great journey. And uh, we chat all the time. There's others like us if you want to come and, and meet them. And I started attending uh, just a couple of, of public uh, events that they'd had. And, and I really liked the, the crowd. Um, it was like being in a, a, a spot that I was comfortable. I was talking about you know the, the top 5%, bottom 5% items that I couldn't talk to my friends uh, about right who weren't business owners and the idea behind this was um to you know once i joined a forum i was i was locked in because just having that peer group to learn from others experiences and that was really what kept me going early on was to learn from the mistakes that others have made and not repeat them and that really accelerated what we were doing at the good because i'd i'd come to the form hey i have this challenge who else is who's else has been through this before and i learned from their experiences um so it was really really helpful uh you know i've been in the same form for nine years now so um which is really unheard of uh from my understanding and uh it's been a it's been a really great experience um You know, I'm at the point in my EO journey where I feel like I'm starting to give a lot more back, which I really can appreciate. Uh, I'm starting to, uh, you know, I've done a mentor for EO Accelerator or EOA, as we call it here in Portland, you know, have uh, been able to help uh, with, you know, form training and uh, all of those types of things over the years. And, you know, I've also started doing a lot more of the international programs. So, um, I'm part of EMP, Entrepreneurial Masters Program uh through MIT that they have. I'm in my final year of that and a couple of months we'll wrap up. Um I've done the Harvard program. Uh I did the NCAD program. Um I've done the um oof, I think I've done pretty much everything except for Global Speakers Academy, which I would love to do next. Um, so cool.
2: Are you going to South Africa?
3: I am not. Unfortunately, I'd uh. <laughs> love to, but uh, not in the cards with uh, my family travel this year, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. And who's the book for? Who's the target audience for the book?
3: The target audience would be a e-commerce founder right. uh, or e-commerce manager. Uh, somebody who is at that probably second or third stage of growth with their e-commerce, right? First stage would be just getting it launched. Second stage would be you can drive some consistent traffic. You've proven that there's a need and a desire for your products or your services. From there, you want to take it to a third level, which is really start to dial it up, right? You are spending money to drive traffic. It's working. Now you want to get a better return on that ad spend. Those are the folks who who really will get the most out of that book. It's terrific. And who's
1: the where do people find the book and what's it called?
3: Yeah. So um, it's called Opting In to Optimization. Uh, you can find it wherever books are sold, Amazon. Uh, it's a bestseller up on Amazon for probably four or five months. Um, and then uh, also go to slash book. And uh, you can buy it directly from us in hard, hardcovers, covers, uh, paperback. Um, there's also an audio book that I read. Uh, it's available up on audible or off of thegood.com, And, uh, you can even get the ebook off of thegood.com uh, if you'd like as well. So plenty of options. It's everywhere. Uh, the publisher we yeah. worked with was, uh, instrumental in helping it get to, to all the different places. So it's good. It's been good to see. Awesome where do some people go to get the
1: resources for the smaller businesses or entrepreneurs?
3: The first thing I recommend people do is go to thegood.com slash uh, insights. Insights uh, is our weekly email uh, that we do that is all helpful content. Um, every week we write a couple thousand words um, pretty in-depth on a specific topic around uh, e-commerce optimization. Uh, we also have up on our site at that... Um, insights uh, page, uh, an encyclopedia of optimization. We've been writing content for 15 years. Uh, we post it all for free up on our site. You know, you don't even have to subscribe to the email newsletter. It's just that's an easy way to have it show up in your inbox every week. Um, but all of that content, you can search if you're having a problem saying, hey, I want to know uh, how to f- optimize my navigation. You just go to our site, type in navigation, it will bring up you know, untold number of articles about how to optimize uh, different parts of your navigation, uh, things of of that sort. So if you're having a problem, you want to know how to do something, uh, we're happy to share what we've learned over all these years. And that's the best place to to get started. Other than that, I highly recommend you go to userinput.io and um, see if any of those services would be of help for a smaller brand as well. Awesome. Perfect. Really
1: great interesting. Information. And the primary website is called thegood.com.
3: Thegood.com is uh, where you can learn all about uh, the good and um, how we can help e-commerce brands. John, it's been a great conversation. Thanks so much for giving us your
1: time. And I'm sure our listeners have learned some interesting things.
2: Yeah, it's right. just fascinating. Thanks so much, John. I really Thank enjoyed you. it. I appreciate right. you having me.
0: Thanks for joining us today on AMI Sites. Since 2010, Multifunding has helped businesses achieve their biggest growth goals through creative and personalized funding solutions, working with a network of the nation's top lenders. Visit us at multifunding.com where you can meet our advisory team and learn more about how we help entrepreneurs fund their future.